Superchargers, headlights, and more. With over 122 million parts, eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Stay on your A-game with all the parts you need at the prices you want. It's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Budgeting food expenses for the back-to-school season? Get more bang for your bite with Every Plate, America's best value meal kit. It's 25% less than grocery shopping. Get started for just $1.49 per meal with the code 49POA at everyplate.com slash podcast. All right, welcome back, Airheads. Here we are. That's not good, is it? That's not That's good. I could do better than that. I think, no, I don't I know. Don't I'm struggling. You do it, Chad. Right you do it. You do welcome it. back, everyone, to we, an episode of Putting on Airs. Putting on Airs. It's yeah. where we take airs and we put them on. Put them on. Right. Right, right we're doing this uh, in honor of, of uh, Michael Kane. Michael Kane. Michael Kane, uh, who is. Not dead, or any, no, not dead. Anything but... like that, but he's uh, stepped away from the uh, altar, as it were. But as, but as I said, because I only ever see Michael Caine on the film or the telly, he may as well be dead to me. Which, yeah, does not I mean, it. but you could also, I mean, you could also look at that as like, and for the exact same reason, he's going to live forever. That's you know true. I mean? Oh no, he is going to live forever. He he's one of those that's a hundred percent, you know, immortal. That's what true good artists they become immortal. Like Prince is not dead, baby. He just ain't around here. You know what I'm saying? 
how did did somebody like just call him up and be like, "Hey, you gonna keep hitting?" He was like, "No, no." Or like I, what? Like what? I, think I will keep. Did Here's he put what out I a press release. Like what? I, I he's like that's what happened. Yeah. Because, like, if you – but here's my reasoning on why. He's probably got a book about to come out. You know what I mean? And it's like if you just don't act anymore, people will just be like, I haven't seen Michael Caine in a while. But if you do this, you get all this press. Like, obviously, it's a big deal, which is either going to help him sell a book that he's already written or give him more cachet when he goes into, you know, Harper Collins and says, I would like to give you an exclusive on my story the story of Michael Caine, you know? So that's probably it. Plus he's, you know, 90. 100 or yeah, whatever. He's, yeah. he's 90 years old, like, which is, you know, there's, you know, Mel Brooks, not officially retired. There's, mm -hmm. but like at 90, I do think Michael Caine has probably done everything he's wanted to do. He probably did it all by 70. Um, but, you know, I am sad. Like, I wish that I, – I wish he had one more Christopher Nolan movie in him. Just one more. Just go out. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. He's, I mean, Michael Caine's great. He's definitely, he's right in the spirit of this show, I feel like, because he's not. We used a, to invite him on all the time. He's a, yeah, that's right. But he's a, like, because he's not a fancy feller, right? He's like, no, a, he's a, he's cockney. a cockney, cockney street rat. I mean, yeah. he's like, a, he's like the definition <laughs> of like a working class dude over there who rose to the heights of Hollywood stardom. You know, despite being all super Britishy and everything, I know super Britishy in like the trashy way. The, right. the hitting kind of hits for me. I'm saying like when a Hugh Grant Brit, yeah, ascends. You're like, well, this like, was your birthright. Well, yeah, right, exactly. But for like a piece of Cockney fucking trash to ascend <laughs> to that level is like more notable and in, in a way that uh, I personally enjoy more. Did you ever hear his quote? about jaws four <laughs> no was he in it's it pretty i reckon it's a pretty famous <laughs> quote somebody was asking about making choices as an actor or whatever and I, you know you're in jaws four or whatever and he was like i haven't seen jaws four i understand it's uh not a very good film <laughs> i have however seen the house that it paid for yeah. it's fantastic <laughs> i do remember that i yeah. love when people have that attitude about yeah. acting so much and by the way before i before i expound on what i mean by that i would like to say that michael kane is probably proof to there's a lot of people hearing this right now going michael kane was british trash he's proof that we just assume that that accent means there's no possible way that you could be that, you know what I'm saying? But yeah, I love, and he's, he's a great example of it. An actor who is like, I'm sir, I know that he took his job seriously and he was fucking really good at it. And I know that there were probably some things he turned down. Cause he was like, uh, is a bit too cheeky right now, but like just going, you know, fucking, you know what, man, it's a job. And I made a shit ton of money at it. So like, who gives a fuck what rotten tomatoes said for sure. He, do you know, Michael Caine was born Maurice Joseph Micklewhite. It's, yeah. a, good it's a good change. change. <laughs> it's a I mean, good change. Maurice Joseph Micklewhite. Yeah, Micklewhite, just, dude. How fucking British is that? Very British, and again, does not in any way sound poor. You know, right? He was. I, uh, let's see here. He's the son of a cook, uh, a cook and charwoman. Charwoman just uh, what. Uh, is that like a cook who burns everything? That doesn't. <laughs> yeah. 
No, it's weird. So it says his mom was a cook and charwoman. And char, that sounds like a cooking term to me, but it says charwoman's an old-fashioned occupational term referring to a paid part-time worker who comes into a house or other building to clean it for a few hours of a day or a week as opposed to a maid who normally lives Live in, in. The, the domicile or whatever. It's like, shit, well, hell, my mother-in-law's a charwoman. <laughs> they got to make it sound like it don't hit. Yeah, you right. Know? She's a charwoman. Yeah, I don't get the char part at all. But anyway, uh, and his dad, also called Maurice Joseph Micklewhite, was a fish market porter. So fishmonger, fish fish man. Yeah, yeah. Fish market porter makes it sound like he just carried fish between different fishmongers. His bona fides for having grown up working class are so great. I mean, your mom's a charwoman and your dad's a fish man. Nobody's questioning that shit. And not only that, his father was of part uh, Romani descent. Ooh. The uh, the you know the gypsies or whatever. That's not me like saying part. ooh. That's me saying to them ooh would be right. Yeah. Uh, so he was part gypsy, and yeah, mama was a. A washerwoman and his daddy fucked with fish. Uh, let's see here. <laughs> now, guess what? He was born in 1938. 33. Right. 1933. Yeah, yeah. It's not 2028. I'm an idiot. And, uh, yeah. So, during the Second World War, he was like, you know, a kid. And he got evacuated and whatnot. Uh, let's see here. They grew up. They were rehoused in some council estates. You know what council estates are? Council estates? Yeah. It, okay, he was raised in council estates. Mm-hmm. So I would say this is a place that's not like foster children because the parents are still there, but it's like maybe some sort of like commune situation for people that don't hit to gather their resources and maybe live a little bit better. Okay, well, first of all, I mean, sort of camp, council estate over there, I believe, is just basically like the projects, right, uh, pretty much in America. Okay. Uh, but actually, I should reread this. It says he was re- they, his family was rehoused by the council ah. into a prefabricated house. I don't know if that's technically a council estate or not, but it was like a supposed to be temporary living for people that were relocated because of the London bombs. getting bombed all the shit. Yeah, yeah. And have, then, have but then ever... he said he ended up. They ended up living there for eighteen years. It was supposed to be temporarily t- temporary, but he pretty much spent his whole life there as a kid. <laughs> Ain't that the way it goes? A pre prefab house during the war. Have we ever have we ever talked on this show about how much it how much more it hit to be in America during the World Wars than anywhere else? Like oh, we yeah, really bro. we really got the really I mean, it sucked that we had our people had to go to war, but like growing up, it never like I never thought about it much of like I, you know, it was like, Oh yeah, the World War, we went over there and like things didn't hit, but like England, which is just as much of a first oh. world country as us, was just getting their shit fucked Rocked. on the rack, dude. Yeah. It's crazy. Eddie Eddie Izzard had a bit about that, and I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not gonna do it justice at all. But he kind of had a bit about that. We were talking about World War II and how fucked England was. Like, you know, by a few years into it, he's like, they're sitting there, it's like send the tanks at them. It's like we're out of tanks, sir. Send the whatever. And then he progressive so he's like throw the pots and pans throw pots and pans at it whatever he's like he's like and then after four years the americans show up you know standing like this like jesus christ where have you been having breakfast what's going on (laughs) (laughs) you know kicking everybody's ass and whatnot but anyway 
Yeah, we definitely, I mean, you know, I feel like we handled that pretty, pretty well as far as that goes. Just, yeah, I mean, we've only had just sort of wreck each other's shit for a while and we just swoop in and, you know, turn the tide. And I don't hear him talking about it that much. You know, we had one 9 11 and we won't shut the fuck up about it, but like they had like a whole bunch of 9 11s right there in a row. Well, that was their whole thing with that, you know, the stiff upper lip thing that Britain has and like the keep calm and carry on. Right. That That's from all that comes from, or at least the keep calm and carry on thing, like it literally originates with the bombings in World War II and whatnot. And it was just people being like, you know, don't let it be a bother. You know, right. life must go on and fucking everything's exploding all around them and whatnot. And they're, they've got keep they're calm wild and people. They've got keep calm and carry on. And I feel like we have get fucking pissed and stay put, you mm-hmm. know. It's like the opposite. Stand there and be mad, God damn it. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, we do. We do wish Michael Caine um, all the luck uh, in his remaining years, the golden years of his career. Yes, absolutely. For the record, well, he now has career. time to come on. Well, yeah, just the rest of his life. I mean, he'll. I just. I do believe he'll write or something like that. May, who knows? Uh, but but Michael Caine, if you're listening, you now have more time than ever to be a guest on Putting On Airs. We said we wanted him to be the first uh, guest, but we've already screwed that, so he can be the second. So uh, he has already. I'm not saying he won't write something else, but he he already had has already written an autobiography in when 2010. Oh. 2010. Plenty's called, happened to him. Called uh, The Elephant to Hollywood because okay. I didn't mention earlier that those temporary housing he was re- they were re-put into, that was part of the Elephant and Castle neighborhood because, of course, there's an Elephant and Castle neighborhood um, over there in England. But, yeah, so that's why it's called The Elephant to Hollywood. But, yeah, it came out in 2010. A... I guess he went, he was in, he got called up into the army, but this is way after world war two. This is in like the early fifties. He was in the army in the early fifties. And, and then, and he went to the Korean war. Cause you okay, know, I was about to was, say, which one did they have? Well, yeah. Cause they have whatever we have. You exactly. Know, yeah, like they're in Korea. Like, all right. Yeah. I guess we'll go to Korea. Yeah. Right. So, <laughs> well, apparently he went over there and you know, we we're fighting commies over there in Korea. I don't even know how many Americans know. I mean, you really know what Korea was all about? Because I mean, no, I my don't. my papa was there, but I have no idea. This yeah. is a, the funny little anecdote. But uh, I was just recently listening to the Howard Stern show in my car, and you remember Sal from the Howard Stern show? Yeah, he thought <laughs> he thought that they were trying to get him to list all the wars in the order in which they happened. And he was like, well, World War II, that's clearly the first one. <laughs> like, and then he was like, Civil War had to be after that. He thought that the Korean War and the Vietnamese War were the same war. He's like, well, you know, some people just call them that. <laughs> yeah. Right. That really no. cracked me up. No, Basically I have no idea. Yeah, I have no I idea mean, what the Korean War is about. I mean, because well, it was against all of Korea, not just North and no, South. No, no, no. I think, I think it actually, it's weird because that's, I'm about to, bro, this is all coming straight from my ass. And it's like, that's that, what is we the, do. For, that is the forgotten war in this country for sure. Yeah. F- for whatever reason, they're like, yeah, that one doesn't hit for anybody. I, you know, like, fuck it it. Didn't. not many documentaries. It's like what it's like. It's near, nearly forgotten about. But so having said all that, I think old boy on Howard Stern was like closer than he 
knew he was because I think it was actually a pretty similar situation to Vietnam mm -hmm. where it was like, you know, in Vietnam, there was the Viet Cong, the North Vietnamese, and yeah. they were commies, right? And the South Vietnamese were like, we don't want to be commies. And so America was fighting with the South Vietnamese to defeat the commies in the North. Sure, right? I knew that. And we failed yep. miserably. Well, Korea, I think it was a similar thing. Korea used to be just Korea, right? And then the North part, uh, Kim, Kim Jong-il's papaw. The right? least hitting part. Right. Right. Was like, we're we going to all be commies or whatever. And the South part was like, that don't hit for us. We don't want to do right. that. And so they had a civil war, North and South. <laughs> and we were on the side of the South, I think. And then you know, they've been, they're separated to this day. I think actually it's funny because that's the most like forgotten war in this country. But I think I've read before that like that war is like still technically ongoing to this right. day between North and South Korea. Cause they've got the D, the D, the DMZ, the demilitarized zone, all that stuff. But I think they're like, technically speaking, they're still actively engaged in that conflict. To so this we just day. left. I, I guess at some point, I mean, obviously, yeah. Well, so we what, left, but also we didn't because we still I know we still had military presence in South Korea, too, for sure. So they got oil, I guess, a lot of it, too. Man, I don't know. Like with that, the. I, we just had like a, a bloodlust for yeah. like in the 2000s. World War II really got our dick hard. Yeah, right. Exactly. Well, especially like where commies were concerned because like there was, you know, that was all during like both of those conflicts was when we was really starting to not hit for Russia and vice versa. The Red Scare. The, the Soviet Union and the Cold War, and, like, they were commies, right? So it was, like, also some kind of sort of proxy war type shit with a lot of those conflicts where it's, like, the commies were on one side, and at the top of the commie ch food chain was Russia, and then, you know, we're on the side of freedom, of course. And we're, <laughs> you know what I mean? And so, like, yeah. it was a lot of that type of shit, uh, more so than, like, oil, I think. But, uh Yeah. I, I just know, always we assume all know Vietnam did not hit. Um, no, I, I'm not ben sure how it. much the Korean War did or did not hit uh, for for Americans of the day. I, I don't. I don't know. It def. I don't think you know. At least I, you like you still hear the stories of like obviously Hanoi Jane and the people spitting on the soldiers and stuff like that. But like I don't. I've never heard that as it pertains to the Korean War. Now, granted, you know, like those people are older and like long deader you know, than the, the Vietnam folks. But uh, my papa, from my understanding, was, you know, a Navy shipman in the Korean War. And I don't, th I don't believe he got spat upon. Uh, I don't know. But it seems like me and you need to learn so, a little bit more about the goddamn Korean War. Well, I just Googled it and it says, if you know, it says the Korean War was a proxy war for the Cold War. The West, the United Kingdom and the U.S., supported by the United Nations, supported South Korea, while communist China and the Soviet Union supported North Korea. So, I mean, you know, I pretty much nailed it, I think. Yeah, I think you did. And so, like, because of that war, there is a North and South Korea. Yeah, still to this so day. So we did that. Because North Korea, like, because North Korea's position is that the South is an open rebellion against them and that they are the one true Korea and all that, you know, like, and so they still won't. They're not like just peacefully coexisting. I mean, I guess they're somewhat peacefully coexisting, but like, you know, the Norse whole thing is like, no, y'all should be us. And, right, you know, right. yeah. and the South's like, ain't no way we're going to be. But then, you know, <laughs> also the North, 
mostly because all that commie despotism shit. They all yeah. they all this big and half starved and <laughs> ain't got fingers and shit. Yeah, it don't hit because North Korea don't hit, and uh, you know so. I don't know. They, uh, <laughs> they did. They did a wrestling show in North Korea one time. Uh, called what? The, yeah, like WWE, a pro wrestling show. WW fucking or no? It was was it WCW? I can't. I think it was WCW because yeah, uh, uh, Eric Bischoff is the one that went over there. Him and Antonio Noki, who was the head of New Japan Pro Wrestling or whatever. I might be getting some of that part wrong, but I don't think I am. They. Uh, had this thing called the collision in Korea where they were going to go over there and they were going to put on a wrestling show for the people of North Korea. And so all these wrestlers are just like, yeah, fuck it, man. It's a payday. Of course, there were some of them that were like absolutely terrified because they'd been sort of clued in on what was going there. And uh, they get there and like, yeah, it uh, like, I think Eric Bischoff, uh, who was running WCW at the time, he like, walked out of his hotel one night and just was going to go jog through the streets. And he did and said that like everyone, uh, everyone that he ran into, like all these Koreans were just like terrified of him uh, because like, you're not allowed to just run through the streets and whatnot. Um, and also like the cops ended up bringing him back to the hotel and um you got it. So, yeah, w, uh, WCW and New Japan Pro Wrestling, I believe it was, which was ran by Antonio Inoki, they were going to do this thing. They ended up, and they did this thing called Collision in Korea, where they're like, Antonio Inoki, who ran New Japan Pro Wrestling, apparently his, like, grandmother was Korean, and it was, like, very important to him to, like, try to help broker peace in the region with the power of wrestling, yeah. right? So so WCW gets involved in this. And, like, some of the wrestlers were just like, cool, whatever. It's a gig. Let's do it. Some of them were like, "Uh, I don't know if y'all have heard about what it is over there, but, like, I don't want to go to no goddamn commie fucking country. When was this? Like, what year was this? I want to 96, 97. I mean, I don't think it matters that much because I think they've basically been what they've been for, like, I don't know, 30 or 40 years Kim Jong-il was the leader. Um, Okay. It had to be within 96 to 98 because that's when Eric Bischoff was running the joint, right? And mm-hmm. so they get over there, and you know, I've seen a documentary where all these wrestlers are like, buddy, he's like, you only think you appreciate freedom until you've actually seen what the fuck this is. Because like, apparently Bischoff, like the first night they're there, they had like armed guards and stuff outside of their hotel rooms, but he leaves his hotel room when they're on like a break or something, and he's just going to go out jogging or whatever. And he does, and he says while he's running through the streets, there's all these North Koreans who are like literally running away from him, petrified, screaming, just because there's a white man running through the streets, and they'd never seen this shit before. And also, you weren't allowed to just do that shit. You know what I mean? That he just like kept going. I like. I, I feel like if yeah. I went out on like a jog in a strange place yeah. and every one of the locals like turned and ran from me screaming, I'd go back home. I'd be, yeah, I'd stop and be like, no, wait, it's fine. Please, what have we? And I, I wouldn't just effectively chase them by yeah, continuing right. down the street. Yeah. Not Bishop. But, but yeah, no, I know that they, yeah, you're not, yeah, you can, you know, t- I think any American, I think, can take like a trip over there for like tourism reasons or whatever, but it's like highly, highly structured and, and yes. regimented. Like they won't let you, 
you you know there you, you got like a North Korean guard with you all the time all, at all times, and, and you can't even be you can't talk to somebody on the phone unless they're on the other line. Right, you can't right. do and like the wrestlers were like you know they were hanging out trying to like play pool and be buddies and like they were getting loud and like the guards would come in and be like yo you got to calm down. They were like yeah fuck you or whatever and they were like no you don't understand we'll shoot you and they were mm-hmm. like oh, oh okay you know what the fuck ever. Anyways, I said all that to say this. Um, it it is technically the most attended wrestling event in the history of man but that's because they forced every korean to go so like you know there's like a fucking half a million people there uh of of these wrestlers yeah the collision in korea and the ultimate takeaway from all the wcw people was you'll never believe this north korea don't Don't hit hit. yeah Yeah, don't hit so you know yeah it's what you know they have like there's all these things about they have like so if tourists go over there, they take them on like structured places around the city. You know, they only see what they want them to see, right? And so they have all this like fake shit set up, like yes. like fake grocery stores and things of that nature, where it's like it makes it look like things hit, but yeah. really things don't, don't hit, and those things are only there just to, for show, just for right. the, just for Propaganda. people to see and be like for proper, yeah, be like, oh, this place it seems all right, but. But it actually don't hit, and yeah, if they you do try that to leave their... that. If you try to leave there on account of how much it don't hit, they'll uh, kill you and your whole entire family, and and, and enslave what's left of your family for multiple generations on uh, concentration camps and stuff. So that don't hit either. Um, yeah, can I just say this? The Dennis Rodman thing was maybe a little different because he was a guest of Kim Jong Un, so maybe he would be treated better than anyone ever going over there. But, like, you hear stories every now and then of, like, an American tourist going there and then doing some dumb shit and staying and, like, you know, they keep them and they're, like, going to put them in jail. And, like, maybe the first time I heard it, I was like, oh, no, this is terrible. But now I'm just like, bruh, listen, I understand wanting to broaden your goddamn horizons. If you you willingly go to North Korea, you are a dumb person fucking piece of shit and you deserve whatever is coming your way not saying it's right i'm just saying we don't need to be using any of our our foreign policy points to get your dumb ass out of north korea because you went over there and spray painted some shit you know yeah no i ain't i ain't going to north korea who would want to no right yeah i don't understand dude I'm telling you, South Korea seems cool. You know, South Korea seems real cool. Like it's like a stark difference. Like they're like apparently like a tech utopia or some shit. Right, and then just right to the north, it's like see, and that's why, like, dude, like freedom hits. Right, it's like, like, (laughs) yes, pretty much. I'm saying, like, I think there's a healthy middle ground somewhere like of we could have fucking social safety nets and take care of poor people and all that and we should right if you're a successful country you should do that stuff but like you know full-blown socialism and there's like there's a difference between socialism and communism and i'm For too, sure i'm too dumb to get into it without unbridled about government it authoritarianism don't but hit. like yeah but like the com you know most of them commie countries you know, didn't or don't hit, right? And then, like, the ones... <laughs> it's like scoreboard! And it, Right, yeah, exactly. And then, and then, like, South Korea is like, well, we, you know, we don't want to be communists. We want to be capitalists. It's like you said, and they fucking smash now. Yeah. And it's like, I mean, yeah, scoreboard is kind of hard yeah. to argue with, except, you know, China is 
but they're like a hybrid. They're like they are. China's like they, they, like, they by like commie China. It's like communist yeah. China, but like the party is communist, but they've got like hyper capitalism over there at the same time too, and it's all just like. I don't know, determined by the government somehow who's allowed to hit it w- with making money and whatnot. But like, yeah, they're, uh, they've done pretty well for themselves, but they're like the only commie country that has that I'm aware yeah, of. And all I the rest of them say have failed miserably. Miserably. So bad, dude. So, so bad. bad. And like, yeah, there is a healthy middle ground. And I would say that's probably like your Switzerland's, your fucking, you yeah, know, right. the, Nor- the Nordic Sweden, countries or whatever. The Scandinavian countries, right. Yeah. yeah. They're like, like democratic you, socialist-y places, which is not the same as communism. Yeah. But if you ever try to like, I don't see how you could ever try to argue for straight up communism when like, if you just, again, bro, let's look at it. Yeah, right. <laughs> it, it don't, don't, it don't seem win. to hit. Right, it don't yeah. seem to hit. Like right. even a little bit. You know, and like they do all that. They got, you know, you were talking about the fake grocery stores and shit, but like they got their like state TV set up like that too, where like piped into all the homes is just talking about how great it is and stuff. And I'm like, who are they fooling? Those people then live there. Like, how do they think? I think they actually do fool a lot of them. Yeah. Like, that's what they get. They, a lot of people are that propaganda shit work. I mean, think about it. You don't ever have any exposure to any other kind of narrative ever. Right. You know right. what I mean? So like never have they just buy it a lot of obviously and a lot of them don't, but a whole lot of them for sure do. You know what and I mean? It don't matter if you buy it or not. Like a whole bunch of Russians, you know, right now are fully 100 percent convinced that they're like doing the right thing and trying to save the country of Ukraine from its Nazi overlords or whatever their story is. You know what I mean? Right. Like they believe that shit because that's all right. they've been told, you know, and it's like and in China, too. When, uh, like, sometimes people in this country will get on to, like, a China person for uh, a, chi- a Chinese for being person. China? <laughs> no, no. It, chi- I mean, kind of, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When they, like, they, they, they're in, like, a Hollywood movie or something, and they're somehow prominent, and people in this country, like, expect them to denounce China, and then they don't. Right. And, and people get mad at them. They're like, boycott this movie because they support what the Chinese government is doing over there and whatever else. And I'm like, because this person, because the star of this movie wouldn't denounce China. And I'm like, well, China might throw them out a goddamn window yeah, or something. Right. If they fuck it. Or at the very least, like, make their career disappear forever. Like, it's easy for people to sit in this country and be like, you should speak up against that. And it's like, you ain't in no danger getting defenestrated or run over by a tank in the park. Or none of that shit. So I think you need to lay off of these people a little bit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they're the ones actually living with the threat of something happening. I guarantee you most of them Americans saying that if they were in China and the Chinese Wouldn't government stepped to them, they'd be like, you know, just bow Dude. down immediately. Please, God, let me, you know, leave with my life. You're not, you ain't going to stand up to the Chinese government. Dude, hell no. I mean, yeah, people around here and like, you know, we're some of them sometimes. I'm sure like we get real cocky with our freedom. That's what I meant with those like wrestlers like. You don't have any, you don't have any context for what freedom is until you see where it ain't, you know? And like, we have just grown up our whole lives. Like our goddamn, our country was founded on looking at the government and going, you don't hit. But Mm -hmm. like, if you're in China, yeah. Like, I'm not mad at that dude for being like, I don't listen. They have organized samurais and they will kill my whole family i'm sure that's not how it works but no, like that's japan yeah, but japan and they, yeah and whatever they, japan don't have samurais anymore but uh side note you know you know anything about 
samurais and or just Japan in general? Not as much as I would like. They um, wild, bro. Please We, we should talk about them on this show in the future, actually, because samurais were like a an uh, arist- aristocratic Yeah, like, right. They class. were a noble class. I did know that. Yeah, and bro, dog, they was wild. Wild. Okay. Uh, Let's put a bookmark in that. Yeah. So anyway. Uh, we were I just had, talking. You, go ahead. Well, you was just, I had a thing I wanted to uh, talk to you about. You also wanted to do uh, uh, some hot goss, right? So. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Well, speaking of. Speaking of, you were talking about Hollywood and not denouncing China or whatever. What's the big deal in Hollywood right now? And this is honestly going to be the last time that I talk about it. But I do want to talk about it, if only to get in the algorithm somehow because everybody is fucking talking about it. It is this, what seems to be never-ending bitchinizing or pussification of Will Smith. What they are doing to this man. What Jada Pinkett Smith is doing to this man is unlike anything I've ever seen before in my life. And I can't wrap my head around why people give a fuck what Jada Pinkett Smith be saying. Like, Will Smith is the goddamn star here. You know what I mean? Right. Like, yeah, people huge fans of fucking dead presidents or girls trip or something. I think those are two. She may not even been in that first, but dead presidents kind of hit. Yeah, Nutty Professor. There you go. Um, right. Yeah. I mean, she don't hit. Uh, no, she but, don't hit. But like, she's but like, like what, 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 what's the most recent thing that, that she's done? Because I'm not sure that I know about it. The most recent thing she's done is she just came out of nowhere and said that they have actually been separated for seven years. So that when, so that when Will slapped Chris Rock, she even said something to the effect of like, I don't even know why he did that. We don't even like each other. You know what I mean? And just made it. So, like, he already makes this huge mistake, the slap heard around the world. And then she has to then come out and say, yeah, and it didn't even hit for me because, like, we don't even live together. Well, they do. Like, somebody said, oh, my God, Will Smith slapped Chris Rock over his roommate because apparently that's that's what it is. They've been living completely separate lives for seven goddamn years. I just don't understand why will be fucking with her at all at this point it's like you're will smith dude like i know i know it's like she's she's like also a celebrity but like because the hottest most famous hittenest female celebrity right now who is single because you probably would have a shot with her you could at least get a date with her you know what i mean right like you exist at the i mean i don't know anymore he dude he's done so much damage to his image and everything and it's a it's a real bummer because i mean will smith was like i mean a pretty huge staple of my childhood he was like the only wholesome part of my childhood i I Mm -hmm. suppose you know what i mean like i like uh, it was like (laughs) will smith eminem and dmx right fucking (laughs) then limp biscuit and kid rock you know what i mean just like just all just fucking violent trash but also i loved will smith you know what i mean so I've always been a huge fan, but his movies largely stopped hitting years ago, dude. Years For sure. and years ago, they stopped hitting. So he was already on a downward trend in that regard. And then all this shit with Jada and the slap and all, it's just like, I mean, it's fucking brutal. And I the feel movies- like the only way for him to come back for it, from it to me 
is he need to get the fuck away from her ass. Their 100%. kids are like fully grown at this point, right? Yeah, They're adults, dude. right, dude? Yes. Fuck off from her forever. Get yes. a goddamn restraining order against her or whatever if you have to. A gag order, and, too. Shut the fuck up. Yeah. Yeah, fucking dude. Putting a gag order on her is about like that judge gag order in Trump. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm very skeptical that but that's two people who cannot shut the fuck up. But, uh, <laughs> but anyway, uh, Get the fuck away from her. Maybe also fire your agent. Get a new one. Read yes. a bunch of scripts. Yep. Get somebody Tarantino. with you. Get Tarantino. somebody with you. Right. Get somebody with you that like whose taste and opinion you trust and who isn't a sycophant or a yes man to go through these projects. Pick one that actually hits, right? That yeah. actually hits. Crush that fucking thing. And then go on from there and like it is salvageable i think but if he gonna keep fucking around with her and making these sorry mid-ass movies uh then you know i don't have much hope for him in the future frankly because I th- i've on the movie front i've always heard of what happened with him is he's one of them it's like because he's such a huge star he exerts control a huge amount of control over yeah. the over the project and he oftentimes kind of fucks them up right you know who else they say does that is the rock I like right. The Rock a lot, but they say The Rock comes in, he's got all these stipulations. I can't take more than three punches in any given fight scene. I can never be, for, you know, all this type of shit. Right. And it's just like, it's just unnecessary and it just gets in the way of like good storytelling or whatever. Whereas, I'm sorry, on the other end of the spectrum, you got a man like Tom Cruise who is mm-hmm. the exact same way, but but he knows what hits, hits right? Like, yes, he's like, he, I'll do he, it to service the story. He also exerts a huge amount of control over his projects, but he has good taste and understands right. what hits cinematically, so he makes his movies better. But yep. these other huge stars that all they care about is how they come across or whatever, they fuck movies up. Or if, they yes. don't make, if they don't make them like bad, they, they make them not as good as they could be. Will Smith, maybe he'll get down to a point where he no longer has that kind of influence over a project anymore, but he still can get a good project. He has maybe, to be there maybe, now. Maybe he can make like a, you know, a, a comeback at some point. It would hit for me because, again, I always love the guy. But Me yeah. too. And I genuinely think, like, if, we, if this Jada shit had never happened and we're only talking he's put out stinker after stinker, I think that's an easy minefield to avoid. It's like, like you said, reset, fire your agent, this would be a perfect like this is he's the type of person that quentin tarantino could save now granted tarantino's only got one movie per him left to make and i'm certain that he's like i'm not wasting that on this bullshit right now because of the jada pinkett smith shit but what's everybody already knows like will smith he turned down tarantino yes he was gonna be Django. he was supposed to be Django. tarantino wrote Django for him and he turned it down because he he didn't get it or whatever or i think he wanted to make the pursuit of happiness he he wanted to like well he i heard he came in and talked to tarantino and he had all these changes he wanted to make that's what he does but tarantino don't don't play that so he was just like so he immediately was just like nah we good thanks yeah, though right, right. and then and that was the end of it but it's like he ought not done that he should have no. just ben showed Django. up and listened and trusted this man's vision which was already well established by that point right and you know it could be it's all, not could like be you're pro- talking to reservoir dogs tarantino you're talking right. to tarantino that's already here like yeah, we're excited post, about the movie like he's coming off of inglorious bastard ba- yeah. dog Ar- like, like arguably his greatest work right. he's like in his prime like he's you don't, peaking yeah 
Yeah, right. right. And I'm yeah. not saying wow. that Will Smith should just be grateful that Tarantino would want him to do something, but kind of I am, you know, a yeah. little bit. Like, hey, all you got to do is show up. But my thing was like, even if it was just the stinker movie after stinker movie, it's like, okay, one can turn that around. But now, with all this Jada shit going on, if you're a director out there, you're like, oh, my God, I don't want any of this Part bullshit. Of yeah, right. Yeah, because, I mean, I promise you that there's some people that even if the movie looked like they would hit for them, they're just like, I'm just so tired of this Will Smith shit. Or I can never look at him the same anymore. And I'm getting there. And it sucks because I really like Will Smith. But my point is, and the thing that's infuriating me is that, Will, remember who the fuck you are. You are Will goddamn Smith. The only reason that anyone is listening to what this lady is saying, <laughs> this yeah. lady is the only reason that they even know who she is to say this shit is because she's married to your weight hitting harder ass. Yeah. This is bullshit. Like, how is she doing this? Like, how many fucking times does she need to say, by the way, I used to be in love with Tupac and then just like, see walk out of the room with will just sitting there fucking crying like it's a goddamn travesty to take oh, down yeah. this one that too right you didn't she's know like, about that no i did yeah she's like she, she said before that tupac, tupac was like her actual soulmate and she was meant to be with tupac and all this shit and tupac should have been her kid's dad and yes. all this wild <laughs> like, ass stuff to say about a dead ex-boyfriend in front of your you know and like, husband or anybody be, when you're married <laughs> It seems like she has no problem saying anything. So I have to assume that Will's never been abusive to her. Otherwise, she would say it, right? So, like, right. she's I thought just... You meant, uh, I, thought, I, thought, I thought you meant otherwise she might have shut the fuck up by now. You know? <laughs> I, thought that, I thought that's what you were saying. <laughs> no, but, I mean, yeah. scoreboard again. But, like, like... He just sitting there not doing nothing wrong. I saw the onion put out something that was like Jada Pinkett Smith admits to fucking Tupac's ghost or something <laughs> yeah. like that. And it's like, just, she really has, she keeps saying like, we're separated, but we still respect each other. And I'm like, how can you say that when you're literally doing the most dis disrespectful shit I've ever seen? Like I've never seen a woman who is still married to a man dehumanize him so much and make Now as a society, we shouldn't look at Will Smith as a bitch, but I'm sorry. She's making him a bitch. Uh-huh. Yeah. I know, and it don't hit, and it's like, yeah, you hear they've been separated this whole time, and you're just like, well, then why? 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 Yeah, right. I, Dude. I just like, does she have some kind of, like, dirt Golden on pussy? him or something? Oh, or it's like, yeah. you know. Or, Honestly, probably. Yeah. Because I, I, mean, I can't I don't believe know. she ain't said it, <laughs> you know? Right. Well, maybe that's, I don't know. It is weird. The whole thing is weird, for sure. But also, you're like, why? the only reason anybody gives a fuck about her is because you know, she's with you or whatever, but like, I, I don't know. I don't have a good sense of like, has she since developed her own little she, like cult of personality? Like, like sort of like Gwyneth. Yes. Kind or, of. No. Cause I know she's got her red table, red talks table and talks. stuff who, you know, you were that, you know, you walked away from. Yes. Um, did we talk about that on here? Was that I on don't here? know we if we did that? or not, but yes, Jada, as people reached out to me, wanting me to come on the show like two or three years ago and then I was just, I was like, oh, cool. They're like, you have a unique point of view. We would love to show that to our audience. And I was like, oh, great. And then I had the production meeting and they were like, so do you have any family members that you disagree with wholeheartedly? And I was like, 
plenty of them. They're like, mm. we need to get them on the show so that you can. And they didn't say argue and shit on each other, but like that's exactly what they meant. And I was like, uh, no, that would be very embarrassing for me and my family. And they're like, but it will be good, you mm -hmm. know. And I was just like, I, I would. How about just me? And they were like, nope, that don't hit. And I was like, okay, bye. So, yes, I guess I do have a little uh, bias against Jada Pinkett Smith, but I feel like she don't hit. But, yes, that Red Table talk, There's a, she's she's sort of getting into the, that Gwyneth Paltrow-y world of like – Like a, a, like I, a lifestyle, a lifestyle guru, co yes. guru person. Yeah, right. Yes, where it's like, when's the last time you fucking made a movie, though, you know? That makes me want to do, yeah. Uh, uh, say something else about her, because I want to see if I can find. Um... Uh, well, she don't hit. Uh, she's destroyed the career of a once great man who was, I mean, a stallion in the field, like a pillar of Hollywood, reduced to absolute ashes because this woman has some unfinished business with a dead motherfucker who they still ain't solved his goddamn murder, which apparently, by the way, that's back in the news. I don't know if the two things are like conflated that like all of a sudden they're like we think we know who killed tupac and then jade is like by the way we never had sex but he wrote me poetry and i almost named my third son after him he wrote us all poetry that's right <laughs> that's what he did <laughs> well it would be funny if she meant like when she said that, she's talking about keep your head up or yeah, something. Right, right. You know what I mean? He's like, he wrote that for me. Like she truly <laughs> believes that. Um, uh, it's all poetry, bitch. <laughs> he did. So, <laughs> That's what he did. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. Uh, so I was trying to find, I, when I told you keep going, cause I, I Googled like, you know, most ridiculous Jada Pinkett Smith quotes. Cause I figured there'd be some good ones, but it's like, all that's coming up is like people who have compiled her quotes, like unironically, you know what I mean? Uh -huh. Like people that are like, yo, these quotes hit for me. So we'd have to really like, you know, uh, comb through them to get to the like, but this Not is the with type her of shit, this type, <laughs> this type of shit. She says sometimes she says i learned that surrounding myself with people who are able to help me is like being surrounded by tangible godliness 
So okay, the first part was that good, means. and then the yeah. second part really sucked. Uh, love and honesty are the things that make a good wife and mother. <laughs> That's a hell of a thing for her ass she's, to say to I anybody. Say, I, think, I think she's got the honest part, but it's like, yeah. hey, sometimes you need to like not lie, but just shut the fuck up. Y'all remember all those life insurance ads on the radio when you were a kid? Uh, you, you might not, but I certainly do, because I remember being like, what? What's insurance? That was stuff that, you know, it was for my parents to care about. I just kind of turned my ears off. Well, guess what? Uh, now you slash me, we is the parent, and it's time to get life insurance to help protect your family. Fabric by Gerber Life makes it quick and easy to get a high-quality policy so that your family is covered if the unexpected happens trey tell them about our friends over at fabric gerber life baby fabric was designed by parents for parents to help you get a high quality surprisingly affordable term life insurance policy in less than 10 minutes fabric has flexible policies that fit your family and your budget with quality po quality policies like a million dollars in coverage for less than a dollar a day you can get your personalized quote in just minutes and then apply when it's convenient for you it's all online and to your schedule you could go from start to covered in less than 10 minutes with no health exam required you're not sure if life insurance is right for you we'll take fabrics quick 60 second quiz to find out there's no risk in applying they have a 30-day money-back guarantee you can cancel at any time fabric has partnered with gerber life trusted by millions of families like yours for over 50 years and with over 1700 five-star reviews they're rated as excellent on Trustpilot. And Fabric has more than just life insurance. Their easy digital platform also lets you create wills, access college saving funds, and manage your family's <laughs> finances right from your phone. So your family is prepared for anything. So join the thousands of parents who trust Fabric to protect their family. Apply today in just minutes at meetfabric.com slash POA. That's M-E-E-T fabric.com slash POA meetfabric.com slash POA policies issued by Western Southern Life Assurance Company not available in certain states prices subject to underwriting and health questions So the thing I wanted to talk to you about, I came across a little fact. Uh, I was going to say factoid, but did you know factoid? You know what factoid means? It means something that's a tiny fact. <laughs> it's that's what. Yeah, I always. I think most people use factoid like it's like fun fact or something yeah, like right. that. But a factoid, the actual definition of factoid is something that's presented as fact but is not actually true. Oh, um, wow. Well, so that's you know. what we do on this I, show. Yes, oh, everything we've ever said factoids. is a factoid. <laughs> Nothing but factoids on this show. Uh, but this is not a factoid. This is an actual, uh, I believe, a fun fact. So I don't know how fun it is. So we talk about old-timey stuff a lot on here. Uh, 
a staple of old timiness um, that hasn't come up that I'm aware of on the show before is uh, the executioner, the mm. headsman. Yes, you the know? dude that wore the cloak and he would take it off right at the end before he beheaded you. Uh, yeah. Also looks like the Grim Reaper a bit. Yes. What do you, uh, what's your perception of the uh, the medieval executioner? What's your assumption for how, you know, who that dude was, well, what, that, what that was like being that guy or I would what, any of that? I, I would say that it was back then it was a goddamn full-time job, uh, you know, because they stayed lopping people's heads off. Um, if I had to guess, it's really weird because part of me wants to say like, oh, this was a noble position. But then the other part of me wants to go, no, they had somebody who was, uh, they, they, this is his sentence. Like he now has to be the executioner because he was a lowly man, piece of shit. And so instead of executing him, we'll make him execute all the other people because people in town are going to fucking hate this guy. Like if you're the executioner, people are like, do people like if you're an IRS or surveyor or something, people look at you a certain way. If you're the goddamn executioner and you walk into a bar, nobody's going to want to sit with you. Nobody's going to want to claim to be your family. So that was some sort of a punishment on its own, like sort of like being sent to the wall to serve the black you know it's very astute of you to say that um you really talked yourself all the way through that in a successful fashion because i honestly you know I, we've joked a lot about how like back then public executions were like fucking sunday night on the, hbo the yeah. like, <laughs> must see, you know must see tv <laughs> yeah. in the 90s yeah. Yeah. like just the hitness thing going Right, yeah, like fucking get the whole family together, go down there, and hurl tomatoes at the pheasant thief before they hang him or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Right, like that's like that was the height of entertainment in the medieval yeah. era for both it hit for them stuff. so hard. So, so because of that, in my head, I always kind of figured that the executioner was like like the undertaker or something like the the wrestler i mean yeah, the undertaker yeah, like yeah, right, like right. not the position the undertaker like a yeah. you know like a scary creepy intimidating guy or whatever but like also like kind of like people. a celebrity yeah right <laughs> like he comes out and holds the axe up and everybody cheers and all this shit and he like walks around the different side of the stage and fucking pumps them up and stuff you know <laughs> that's, sort yeah. what I, that's sort of what I thought, but turns out uh, it wasn't nearly that insane. And you are uh, much more correct because yes, they oh, were really they were pariahs uh, universally, pretty much. They did not hit for people. They were shunned by the societies they lived in. But it was kind of a complicated thing because it was it like you said, it's like I'm sure they stayed busy. It was an important position <laughs> back course. then on account yeah. of how. It was always somebody needed killing, right? Yeah. And, you know, so you need the the killing man around. So, like, the the various lords and nobles and stuff in these regions that were in charge of, like, meeting out justice and whatnot, they, you know, you needed to hit an executioner. Of and course. you didn't want to always just be going through executioners. So, like, they were paid well. They mm -hmm. were actually paid, like, pretty damn well. And were, like, you know... But I was going to say treated what they couldn't. They were shunned by society while also being like. But they were protected, comp compensated, and yeah, right, and in in turn for it. But um, they were part of the uh, 
they were part of like the undesirables, the like uh, dishonorable trades back then. Like we were just talking about that, weren't we? Didn't you say like, you're like we're talking about how actors were that? And, yeah, uh, they were all whores. Like uh, they actors, just all whores. whores. There's some other weird ones like t- leather tanners was gross really? for some reason. Yeah, don't know why. Wait, a leather but, like, tanner just the person who made a purse out of a cow? Yeah. House? I, I don't know why, but yeah, that was dishonorable. Uh, what? Dude, the, the past sucked. The rat man, that one I get, you know. Well, well, hold on, what would the rat man do? Well, he, you know. He, get rid of the rats? The, like, the pest control guy, but for rats, because they was eat up with rats back then, so you called a rat man. Yeah, and I, I get how back then, He just comes in with like a cudgel and just starts swinging <laughs> it at rats and all the fucking coins. <laughs> like he wasn't spraying or setting traps or nothing. <laughs> <laughs> this big fucking buck tooth peasant walks in with a hammer and just starts tearing your shit Where they at? We're for the rats. You can't fix the rats. Yeah. Yeah, that was a rat, man. <laughs> oh, God. I mean, I get that it's it, it like, I understand that being that guy, it wouldn't hit. Like, but I didn't know it was considered dishonorable. Like, you know, I personally wouldn't want to plumb, uh, but I don't look right. at a plumber and go, ugh gross you're the plumber you know what i mean but back then yeah. i guess they did yeah so it was part it was a dishonorable trade but it was paid well or whatever but so you're like why the fuck did people ever do any of these right any of these dishonorable right. trades or whatnot well back then like with almost everything else you, you just did what your daddy did like, of course, my daddy was an executioner. His daddy was an executioner. It was all like hereditary. Goddamn, my son's gonna cut people's fucking heads, heads off. off. Yeah, so they like they usually married uh, into other executioner families <laughs> and stuff. Like Dude, they that's just metal. They just you know only like socialized amongst themselves. And there's only one executioner in one area. So you're talking about like the next town over that that right. that headsman. If ho- you better hope he's got a daughter that can marry your son or whatever, or else you're both <laughs> fucked. Like, but um, there was this dude. There's a, a a somewhat fam about as famous as a medieval executioner can be. Uh-huh. Uh, he, he was in Germany. His name is Franz Schmidt. Oh, that's a great name for that. Often guy. called Meister Franz. Um, <laughs> and he was an executioner. He was an executioner in Nuremberg in the early 1600s for like 45 years. Uh, and he's noteworthy because he kept a journal of that experience his whole time. And so it's become like a primary source years later. Like uh, it's, yeah, a journal of a, a headsman's yeah. journal or whatever. <laughs> and in 45 years, how many people you think he killed? Oh, God. In okay. Nuremberg. Okay. It's not going to be as many as you think. Okay. Because I was going to say like... <sighs> I wouldn't say necessarily it would, the math would run out to one a day. I'm going to say, uh, so a hundred, uh, 4,500 heads he lopped off. 361. What? In 45 yeah. goddamn years? Yeah, I know. And that's right? all he had to do? Like, no, 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 no. I should have mentioned that too. No, the executioner had other duties. He okay, was also, surely. He was also the, uh, you know, the royal torturer, <laughs> you know, because that, <laughs> yeah, I think they also did a whole lot of that, right? Yeah, that's true. They didn't kill everybody. They just made their lives of, miserable. Yeah, smushing fingernails and, you know, uh, other such, not not put, putting people on a big wheel and yeah. cranking it and all that shit. Well, that was, the executioner had to do that too, right? Yeah. In addition to those things, a lot of them were also 
healers, which is ironic. <laughs> yeah. But I guess it's just back then, it's just like, do you do anything at all with yeah. the human body? You a doctor now. Well, right? it makes like, sense. The are you a doctor? Part- Kill Cut this head robber. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. Yes, right. Well, it's like yeah. this guy, we entrust him to control life and death. Yeah, he decides right. when someone dies, so naturally we let him decide when someone can live, right? Yes. So they did They did all that other stuff too, but he killed 361 people in 45 years, and he kept a uh, detailed account of all of them. I said it's like a hereditary thing. His daddy was an executioner, but his dad – uh. Heinrich Schmidt um, was originally just a woodsman, like a lumberjack, right. right? And one day in a like a small village in Bavaria, part, you know, Germany, part of Germany. I hear it's beautiful. It, it would I've heard that too. One day, the like local lord, the lord of uh, Brandenburg Kulmbach, Albrecht the Second, was in town in this small village, and there was these three dudes who were horse thieves or something like that or whatever. And I love that that's your go-to, but like, of course it would be. Why wouldn't it be? What? Horse thieves. Like, yeah. Why wasn't thieves? It was a thief of some kind and that's what it was for stealing. It was somebody. And so the local Lord who was a tyrant, you know, like a bit of an asshole was in town and they had these dudes who he said they need to be hanged. Right. Yeah. But there's like a little village and they didn't have an executioner. And so this Lord (laughs) just picked Franz's dad <laughs> like he literally just pointed at him and was like you get up here and kill these motherfuckers what? right now and he had no choice but to do it right. he couldn't say no but also like that just meant you and exec- you and your entire bloodline yes. are now executioners from this day forth forever because this wow. happened right and so that's what happened like they, they just became executioners after that so Franz was an executioner his entire adult life uh but he f- retired, you know, in 1617 after 45 years, right? 58. He was 63 years old. Pretty good Rifle run. Age. Yeah. Pretty good. Absolutely. And it says in his Wikipedia, after he retired in 1617, he began a new lucrative career as a medical consultant. Like, what do you He's think what he would say? More leeches. Less leeches. <laughs> I'm going to say, don't cut the heads off. Yeah, that right, seems yeah, like right. it always kills them. Don't cut his head off. But yeah, probably more leeches. Uh, have you tried draining all his blood and putting it in that bucket and then making yeah. him drink this bucket full of different blood? Right. But I guess he was hitting at that somehow. Um, and so he, after a couple of years of doing that, he received the imperial favor of Ferdinand II, naming him an Ehrlich i.e. an honorable member of society and thus removing the stain of social stigma from a life spent as an executioner. He was buried with honors in one of Nuremberg's most prominent cemeteries and the grave is still present there to this day. So well, he, uh, he made a hit somehow, he, but he didn't um, make a hit. Then we don't he think ju- he didn't just cut people's heads off. Like I don't, they, they had different methods of ex- execution for different, uh, things so he had to like hang people chop people's heads off break them on a wheel that's wild (laughs) burn them on a stick that too uh or uh drown them right um so yeah you think he had like his favorites i know that we know from his journal that drowning people didn't hit for him so he tried to like get every time every time he was supposed to drown somebody 
he would say, can I just cut the head off? And, <laughs> yeah, right. and usually the judge or whatever would be like, yeah, that's fine. Whatever. Um, as long as they're dead. Do you, I mean, do I you think th I'd rather just cut somebody's head off than like forcibly for hold sure. a person underwater. Yeah. So he didn't, that didn't hit for him, but he cut off a lot of ears, a lot of fingers, flogged the shit out of people. <laughs> yeah, so many people. So many people. Uh, and yeah, lived that'd to a rap old age. It'd be a hell of a job to get fired from. Like, imagine not doing that well. You know what I'm saying? Like, you just weren't you weren't good yeah, at keeps taking people's... five or six swings. <laughs> you know that type of thing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean that wouldn't hit. You know, like no. for anybody. No. Fucking making the beheading all awkward and stuff. Are there um, still places that this dude would be employed? I mean, I know in like some of these like super shite countries, I guess they still have an executioner. But here, like in America, you know, I, I feel like, and I could be wrong, it's just whichever prison guard happens to be standing closest to the lever. Yeah, that's a good question. I don't know because I, I also tend to think it's something like what you just said, but also maybe that. I know that we've done things before. I think maybe in some prisons, it's like it's multiple prison guards. They all flip a switch and they don't know which switch did the thing type of right. thing. Because uh, I know they've done that with uh, shooting. We had firing squads. Yeah. Yeah. They'd line up a whole line of dudes in firing squads. And some of the guns had blanks in them. And some of them had real bullets and they all shot at the guy. So nobody knew who like really killed the person who do shit like that. So I bet that didn't hit uh, for some of them. Yeah, let's see. I just see her. Who like they'd executes? Be like, I'd want to fucking. I want to make sure my goddamn bullet goes into this dude. Man, firing squads. Do we still? You know what? Actually, I heard not that long ago that there was like still you could still do firing squad in the U.S. and someone actually took it, and it was like I want to say that it was like within ten years, and uh, yeah. I gotta say. I don't know if I wouldn't pick that one, you know, if I was going out, like it seems like pretty quick, immediate and kind of metal. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You hear that? Like, um, you know, like lethal injection or whatever. It's like, ah, oh, they just shoot you up and stuff and you fucking it apparently fall, hurts. fall asleep to, and die. I'd about to say, but then you hear that like uh, it, apparently that super don't hit. It's not like a, peaceful process or yeah whatnot. it's sort of like on justified the margot martindale shit when she would kill people with poison uh and it would like really hurt and like which case like i gotta say i think firing squad is like the most immediate hittingest one uh yeah i don't know i mean i think the french was doing it all right with the uh, guillotine uh, yeah that's the number one man henry because i mean that's just like you know immediate except you know, they say, like, yo, head, do live for a couple more like seconds. Like chicken, yeah. And that's got to be wild Insane. for your head. Yeah. Bruh. You know, they did, they did back during the French Revolution, or I think when they was guillotining the shit out of everybody all the time, some of the science people they had around at the time was like, uh, well, you know, we should try to figure this out. And they would tell people that were condemned to death, they're like, hey, listen, uh, you know, we know you're probably not inclined to do us any favors or nothing <laughs> on account of, account of we're about to chop your head off. But if you were feeling, you know, generous or plucky about it, if you could give us some kind of sign right after your head fall in that bucket. Whistle. That you are, right, that you are <laughs> still alive inside your head. 
that would hit for us, right? <laughs> and nobody ever winked at them or anything, which would, right. you know, that'd have been pretty cool. But apparently a few of those people I remember reading, I would read this years ago. I can't remember where, but a, apparently a few of those people, uh, head lands on the ground and then goes, Oh, wow. Yeah. So I didn't like that. Pretty fucked up. Yeah. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't like thinking about that. That's rough. Yeah. And Ooh. if you're only listening, they just opened their mouth in a, in a, a screaming, in a silent mm. scream. Cause you know, their vocal cords are cut. You can't scream, right. but you can make the face of someone screaming, which I feel like is apropos of a severed head. That's um, what you would do. God damn. Imagine wanting to scream, but you can't. God damn. Like, whoa. Yeah, this, have you ever, read the short story uh i have no mouth and i must scream <laughs> no, no. it's fucking metal oh as fuck God. dude it's uh it's awesome harlan ellison i think is his name or something like that what's um, the what's the gist here it's a sci-fi short story set in the far distant future where like mankind has created this super advanced ai which is turned on humanity and killed everybody right but they the super advanced AI hates humans so much. Yeah. He maintains a little menagerie of these like ten human slave subjects Ooh. that he just tortures endlessly throughout their whole existence. Right. Right. And the story is about those ten people under the you know, under the constant um Gee-wee. torture well, kinda... and torment of this uh and he's like the AI is so advanced he can do things like, you know. You can make your mouth disappear. Holy shit. Is that what that Black Mirror episode was based on? The SS uh, whatever, you know, because that uh, that Jesse Plemons, like he's that guy and like he creates these people that he can make their mouth disappear and like he sort of tortures them all through space and time. Uh, yeah, maybe it might have been, been inspired by it's a pretty it's a pretty famous sci-fi yeah. story and it's fucking gnarly but uh yeah but i just always uh yeah i definitely it's, want to read that well speaking it's a great of title you know it's like you, you know immediately that it's some wild exa- shit yeah um this ain't gonna hit yeah uh, well speaking of super famous i would like to conclude my uh harry houdini if that's okay with you trey yeah hang on yes it is but i looked this up oh i i okay so that was true i felt like i was pulling that fully out of my butt but the so in terms of lethal injection, it's a machine manufactured by this, by whatever, this feller. The machine is controlled by three key switches. The warden gives the order of execution. When the okay. execution order is given, there are three corrections officers assigned to each of the three keys. Only one of those keys is live. Okay. So it's uncertain which one of them initiates the procedure. Uh, so, yeah, it. So that that is how they do it. So there's no one single executioner, and you've always got plausible deniability if you're one of the I, key turners or whatever. I still would feel like I did it. You know what I mean? I don't know if like psychoanalytically that would work on me. Like be like, oh no, I feel great because it might not have been me. Like I, you know, if if you're if you're a person that's going to get fucked up over those things, I feel like I would still get fucked up. That's just me. Yeah, very possible. Because I'd definitely be in my head like, I know it was me. It was totally me. Why wouldn't yeah, it be me? It, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't hit for it to be me. So I know that it was me. There's <laughs> yeah, no doubt it was me. Yeah, exactly. Um, let me, and also really quick, because I meant to do this earlier. The no, please, take your time. Franz, Franz Schmidt, the guy who kept the journal of all the people yeah. he executed. Some of them read more detail than others, but some of them, a lot of them, he goes into detail on what the person did. And it's like, maybe that's, 
is oh, that to, like, him, deserve the crime? Is that him to, like, justify and, like, so you can see why I killed this motherfucker, right? right? Like, I, I don't know. So, for example, this is one of those. He, he executed this guy named Klaus Reinhardt of Failsdorf, um, a, <laughs> and I'm reading this directly from here, a murderer who committed three murders with an associate. First, he shot dead his companion. Secondly, a miller's man who helped him to attack and plunder a mill by night. The third case was again at a mill called the Fox Mill in the mountains, which he attacked, he attacked at night with a companion. They shot the miller dead, did violence to the miller's wife and the maid, obliged them to fry some eggs in fat and laid these <laughs> eggs on the dead miller's body. Oh, then, then forced the miller's wife to join them in eating those oh. eggs. Afterwards, he kicked the miller's body and said, Miller, how do you like this morsel? <laughs> So how do you fucking, like these eggs? He, like, he really hit him with a, how do you like these apples? But it was eggs and in the 1500s, yeah. He also plundered the mill. For these things, I executed him on the wheel at Greats. So that feller got broken on the wheel. And, I, you know, don't sound like he didn't deserve it. But I uh, agree. If, past, if only past for wild. Pass did not hit. If only for wasting the eggs. You know what I mean? Like, oh, they ate them, I think. They yeah, off the, the eggs, dead guy. Off the dead guy, yeah. Made a woman eat eggs off her dead husband's body. That's pretty gnarly. That's pretty... That's some saw shit. Yeah, he yeah. Uh, he definitely had to go. Is there Also, any, like, it just wouldn't hit to eat an egg no. off of, like, a any kind of body. You know what I mean? The, the like, belly button would be the best place because it would sort of, like... Keep if you the had yolk, a, yeah. yeah, it would keep you the yolk. To sop the, but yeah. you know his belly button was like a, a hairy hair peasant stank didn't. belly. But imagine how bad a peasant's belly button stank, bro. God bro. damn. <laughs> <laughs> a peasant's belly button, yeah. Is one just, of the worst things I can think yes, of. Just mold and the plague in there, and <laughs> oh fucking rat droppings, and God knows what else. Like a peasant's belly button back then is probably the modern equivalent to just our butthole. Uh, like, <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. Cause like, cause like, we don't even need to get into what they butthole was like. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, I, it, yeah. it's, it, you don't even need to be said. Like, there any actual crevice in the nether regions they had? Oh my yeah. God. Unbelievable. Yeah. But their belly button was probably the modern day asshole of man. Uh, that yep. is how much it did not hit to that be a, a peasant. That is a sound. Uh, assumption in my opinion listen guys cold turkey may be great on sandwiches but there's a better way to break your bad habits we're not talking about some weird mind voodoo from your crazy neighbor tracking when mercury's in retrograde or whatever the moon's up to or lighting your candles or putting your crystals out or any of that type of stuff we're talking about our sponsor fume and they look at the problem in a different way not everything in a bad habit is wrong so instead of a drastic uncomfortable change why not just remove the bad from your habit, Fume is an innovative, award-nominated device that does just that. Instead of electronics, Fume is completely natural. Instead of vapor, Fume uses flavored air. And instead of harmful chemicals, Fume uses all-natural, delicious flavors. You get it. Instead of bad, Fume is good. It's a habit you're free to enjoy and makes replacing your bad habit easy. Your Fume comes with an adjustable airflow dial and is designed with movable parts and magnets for fidgeting, giving your fingers a lot to do, which is helpful for de-stressing and anxiety while breaking said habits. Joe, tell them your experience with it. 
Well, I concur. Fume, good. Fume allows me to live my life in a way that I describe as oxygen plus, right? We all have oxygen. Everybody's got the same oxygen, but I like a little, I like my life to be heightened. And with fume, I get oxygen plus. It's oxygen that tastes good, right? It's sweet. You just, you put it to your lips. It's a nice little weighted thingy that makes my oxygen hit harder. It's a portable oxygen hitter harder thing. It's beautiful, feels great, and it tastes like fresh. Like, I got one that's orange, and it's like orange breath. Who don't love orange breath? Stopping is something we all put off because it's hard. But switching to Fume is easy, enjoyable, and even fun. Fume has served over 100,000 customers and has thousands of success stories. And there's no reason that can't be you. Join Fume in accelerating humanity's breakup from destructive habits by picking up the journey pack today. Head to TryFume.com. Dot com and use code POA to save 10% off when you get the journey pack today. That's tryfum.com and use code POA to save an additional 10% off your order today. Tryfume.com slash POA, code POA. Fume good. Fume good. All right. Houdini <laughs> part two. Let's Houdini go. part two. When we left off, uh, I was talking about him and his brother and how they, <coughs> how they, you know, people thought that they didn't hit for each other, but they really did hit for each other. Now, Houdini uh, was such a celebrity at these times, and he was sort of like a, uh, of his time, John Cena, in the sense that, uh, <laughs> in, the, uh-huh. <laughs> in the sense that, number one, you can't see me. That's what magicians ah, yes. do. I, get it, I, I yeah. just made that up on the spot, actually. But what I meant was, was that he uh, performed magic at children's hospitals a lot without like taking a fee or anything. It was just something that was like very important to him because he had a rough childhood. He wanted to give back to the children. Also, how, how tall do you think Houdini was? Uh, I mean, he's escaping out of shit all the time. He's a slippery little fucker, you would imagine. <laughs> and also, this was back in the day, so 5'3"? Five, 5'5", five, five. yeah. Okay. So that's, yeah, you're right in it. And of course, now that I think about it, it makes sense. But like any time I've ever seen Houdini depicted, it's like he's larger than life, so you don't really think about it. But like 5'5 five, five is pretty goddamn short, Yeah, you know? Like yeah. no offense to, but but no offense to like the short kings out there who are listening. But Houdini was very much um, a short king. Uh, he, you know, he like I said, he he branched out from actual like the magic that we would normally see, like the sleight of hand, to doing like escapism and stuff. Like he he invented the milk can escape, which was where they take what I guess milk came in a can back then. The milkman would come and give you a can of milk. Yeah, I always thought it was, you know, the bottles. The bottle, the yeah. In or the, the little package. He set those down and fucks your wife. Your wife. And then leave. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Everybody knows that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that might be the greatest display of our chemistry ever <laughs> once. But yeah, I too thought it because of that, it was the bottle. We've all seen the, yeah. you know, but it was a can. And so he created like this, you know, big, uh, uh, big, huge milk can that would fit a five, five man. He would have them. This is the part that I want to get into. He would, you know, have, he would get in it. It'd be filled with water, not milk, which I think was like kind of an oversight. Like if you're going to make it the milk can, like you should get in there with the milk, just me. And then you they would see like through it. Right. Yeah. You could not right. see through yeah. it, and and that's actually the part that I want to get to. Not, you you couldn't see through it. They would padlock him shut, and not only could you not see through it, 
every time he was about to do some of this shit, and of course it makes sense from his perspective, but they always, when you see magicians do this, they bring this big curtain out. Yeah, of course. You know? yeah. Okay. That don't hit. You know right. what I mean? I've <laughs> like, always thought that, dude. I've like, always thought that about magic. I've always we been may as like, well not I've, even be here. Yeah, right. Exactly. It's like, well, clearly you're doing something behind so, the curtain that, that I fucking, can't see. Yeah, right. And it's like that. I, I remember, dude. I could. I, I swear to God, I don't. I have this like vivid memory from I could not have been older than a first grader, like kindergarten or first grade. I don't have many memories from back then, but I I have one from being at school, and I've never lost it. And I've always thought it was so funny, but I've asked other like Thompson, whoever, and none of them remember it. So it's like, I don't know, but I remember them taking us into the gym one day and they had got this magician to come mm -hmm. in and do like a little magic show for us. The like little kids at the elementary school in the gym. And this dude was like, sort of, he was like a magician, but he was sort of like dressed like a ninja, uh, yeah. except as like a, like a purple ninja is yeah. how I remember it. And he didn't talk. He just like, Pulled Ninja shit around. out of bags and scarves and whatever else and stuff. But I remember like his big thing, he would, he had this big ass curtain set up in the middle of the room and he would like, in my recollection, he would like, he'd take a bag or something and he'd like stand in front of the curtain and you know, okay, you're me, you're in the audience. Uh -huh. I'm the magician. The curtain is back here, right? He's facing the audience of kids. He'd show like, Hey, this bag's empty. You see this bag's empty. And then he'd like, like, you know, magic shimmy behind the curtain and come around the other side and like look there's a rabbit in this bag or whatever now but it's like but he would circle behind the curtain yeah every time where the rabbit and it, is it, 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 yeah the whole time at like five or six i was sitting there like i'm pretty sure the rabbit's back behind that curtain like right clearly you have got shit behind the curtain that you're just grabbing right. you know like <laughs> And, uh, but I mean, dude, this was in fucking Salina, Tennessee. You doing like elementary school magic shows in Salina, Tennessee. Like it wasn't Nate Bargatze's dad. You know what I mean? Right. Like it wasn't like, <laughs> which if y'all don't know, his dad's like a, a, a magician who magician. I reckon actually hits. Yeah. Who uh, shits on was, kids apparently, which hits. This was some, uh, low level feller, but, uh, yeah, the curtain has always been kind of wild to me, but he's already inside of a can that you can't, that's why I asked if it was like. It's a metal can, so you, you can't see through it. If you can't yeah. see through it, I mean, why do you even need a curtain? I don't know. You but know? they would put the curtain there, and, like, he would – he actually was doing these things, but I, I don't know. Because, like, to me, it's like he actually is getting out of them. Like, he's, you know, constraining the locks or whatever. But then, like, you put the curtain there, and I'm like, why am I in the audience not thinking that three people get up on a ladder and unlock this shit for him. Like, why wouldn't right. I think that that happened? By the way, I put it, I want to say this and then we'll never talk about it again. How awesome would it be a Danny McBride, like led movie about a magician who was at the level of doing Solana kindergarten, like shows that would be fucking yeah. amazing. That How would hit. dark and depressing. Like you mm -hmm. didn't think about it at the time. Like you're like, Oh, the magic right. man, but that dude's life, fucking sucked yeah. like, that is yeah. not what he wanted to do with his wizardry you know no not at all uh anyways yeah the, the curtain thing has always bugged me but he he invented a lot of this stuff uh like he invented the chinese water torture cell which like you saw in the prestige kind of like that where like he's you know in the fucking water and he's got to get out and shit he also like invented like he's the first guy that ever started doing handcuff tricks and this is really ingenious like 
how this would how this would go down. So like he just figured out how to get out of handcuffs, right? Realistically, what would happen was that like somebody would lock him up, they'd have the key, right? He he had this skill where he could swallow things and keep them like right here in his throat. And then whenever he needed it, he could just go <laughs> and just like, you know, puke it up or whatever. So what would happen That's pretty wild. It's pretty wild. How do you develop that skill? You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Like, how many times like you this, just actually, like, oh, I ate that key. Like, I might have to <laughs> poop that key out later. Or, like, nearly choked to death. Also, it's like, that, I'm assuming you can't, when you've got something in your neck compartment, right? Yeah. You can't otherwise eat stuff, probably. Of course. Right. right. So, yeah. Or it you would just go gotta, down. Yeah. Well, weird. Him and his wife, Bess, uh, what, what happened was he would do these handcuff tricks and he became really popular for him. So naturally, like he would turn up places and people would come and they'd be like, hey, I've got I'm I've got my own handcuffs that I've had specifically made for you. Right. So you're not going to be able to get out of these goddamn handcuffs. So what would happen was people would bring their own handcuffs. Uh, and Houdini would ask them, he's like, would well, you mind if I study them? Right. Do you mind if I look at them when well, they'd be like, yeah, yeah, no problem. No problem whatsoever. Well, while he's studying them, his wife would also, and this person would have a key, by the way, they're like, this is, I'll get you out of this. Like, don't worry. I've got this key. So Houdini, while he's studying it, his wife is also studying it. And then she would like slip out while and unbeknownst to everyone. And she would go into the back to their ring of just a thousand fucking keys. She would pick the one that she thought looked the most like that one because they had those things. She would get it right. Then uh, she would put the key in her mouth. She would give Houdini a kiss, right? Houdini would have the key in his mouth. Then he would palm it. And he would somehow take the actual key from that person and replace it with their key that kind of looked like it. And then he would get out of the fucking handcuffs and they'd be like, there's no goddamn way. You know what I mean? And so then that person's key wouldn't work anymore because he took the real one or I whatever. Guess, I guess. I don't know if they ended up doing like a switch. But my point is, is like all of that is just as impressive to me as someone who could mysteriously get out of handcuffs. Like all the trickery and stuff behind it is like equally, cause you know, this person's not magic. Right. Right. And, and for the record, he never purported to be. And I, I, I do want to get into that later because there are some people and some people who like, or know better that genuinely believed Houdini was a goddamn wizard. Some smart yeah. people, some people that have done some very famous things that you and I both know and love and would consider this person a smart person. Uh, anyways. I mean, sometimes, dude, I watch clips of, of magicians or let alone in person or whatever, you know, and I kind of can't help but be like, this motherfucker's a goddamn wizard. You know what <laughs> I, I mean? I know, but like the real. Because I just know. I mean, I know you do know. You do know. You're like, I know there is some kind of trick to this or whatever. But also, I just don't see what it could possibly be. So, right. But so like. But my point is, though, is that that to me, and I'm sure to you, is the impressive part is like, however it is the fuck they're doing it. Yes. Not like. But it, I mean, if magic if, it, if somebody really was a wizard i mean that that would be the impressive part for sure you know but I, mean? I don't like, think they'd be doing that <laughs> right what do you think you know they'd what be I mean? doing with it like, like magicing up 
bank heist shit yeah, or something fucking for, getting yeah yeah making like elon Musk's fortune disappear and reappear in their fucking bank account or something like that i just don't think they would be like in of course who knows maybe that maybe those people that's their cover is like no i'm just a trickster and they're actually wizards you know walking among among us so towards the uh, the uh the latter part of his career is when the movies start coming out and the movies did, you know, we talked about this in the other episode. The movies didn't hit for a lot of vaudevillian acts because what they did didn't really translate to that, you know? And they were like, oh, this is the death nail. Well, Houdini was getting older, and it actually, like, super hit for him because, like, he immediately keyed in on, like, what movies could be. He was like, oh, my God, I could do one trick one time and it be seen by million, thousands, millions of people and I would only have to do it one time. Whereas like right now, what I'm doing is doing that one trick, but in this city, this city, this city, this city, this city, he's like, and my body's breaking down. I'm getting older. I don't really want to travel that much. So like going into the film business was something he saw as like a great thing. Um, and he did that shit. The only problem was he was a super terrible actor. God, like uh -huh. awful. But the thing is, is that like, this is when the movies first started, so no one really had anything to compare him to. You know what I'm saying? And because so we're of about the, silent movies he's making, yeah, silent movies. Why and does shit. acting even matter? Just film him doing some Houdini shit. I thought back then they were just filming trains going by, <laughs> right, and they were like, right. "This is a movie, a new movie, right. the train." That was and like the first like, movie, Fuck! <laughs> right? Like so, like you couldn't just film him doing some Houdini shit and just put that out, like. Why is my man acting at all? You know, just couldn't agree more. Uh, I guess it's just that like, once you do that one trick, now you got to do another thing. And like, he started a production company uh, that didn't really hit, but because it was so early and there was nothing to compare it to, he actually was one of Hollywood's earliest, like action stars, like mm -hmm. Houdini. And he, and his name carried a lot of value to it. Like, I'm not going to say it's the exact same, but it like it's a little bit like The Rock jumping into movies. He already had established from wrestling, and now I'm going to go do this other thing. So Houdini, you know, a lot like The Rock uh, in that way. Yeah. Um, he super hated people stealing his act, but it was, it happened all the time. Like, people would be like, oh, I'm going to come out of a, a milk can now, right? And See, all these... You know what's wild to me about that is, remember we talked about on a recent episode, yeah. like during vaudeville, I always read, like in, in Cliff Nesteroff's book and in other places, I always read that like back then, everybody stole everybody's acts and it wasn't even like really frowned upon, like in the vaudeville world. It was right. like expected. Like people would be like, whose act you doing? They'd be like, oh, right. I'm doing the fucking, the St. Louis hobo. And like, <laughs> ah, that's a great one. That's a great the one. The old Charleston. Yeah, right. Like, yeah. yeah you know, so... Like, was he also a pioneer in giving a shit about yes. uh, ownership of of acts and bits he was. and stuff? He was because he was the one actually inventing these acts, yeah. right? And so he didn't like it when someone would come along and go, I think I see how you did that. I'm going to do it. Now, here was the fucking problem, though. In order to get – in order to be litigious about someone doing your act, you have to get – a patent on that thing that you're doing, like the milk crate thing, he would have to get a patent on it. Now, here's where Houdini runs into a problem, because legally, in order to get a patent on something, you have to show the patent office how it works. And he was like, 
Oh, absolutely not. I will not do that. And so he just had to deal with the fact that people were going to keep copying him and shit. Now comes a creative loophole that him or his people finally figured out, especially with movies happening. He couldn't patent something without giving his shit away, but he could copyright his Mm -hmm. act by Mm -hmm. either recording the act or there was at one point that he... All he did was he set up a one-man show, invited one person to do it, and this person was like a witness for like the copyright whatever thing, did it in front of them just to be like, okay, that's mine, it's copywritten, anyone that does it from now on is infringing upon me and my copywritten shit, and therefore they can't, right? Yeah. Uh, he was also a big time, he loved flying because Houdini was just like, whatever the new hotness is, that's what I want to do. The Wright brothers had like just dropped, uh, which like, dude, I can't imagine like what, I mean, having grown up in a time where it's always been planes and there really hasn't been any, in my lifetime, have we seen much innovation in the world of planes that we know of? No, not on a major scale, not in like commercial flight. I was just thinking last night, there was in like the 70s and 80s, they came out with a like a super fast commercial plane that then they got rid of. And I've always wondered why they got rid of it. People die. Uh, see, I don't know. Because I was just thinking it's like the Concorde, the Concorde. You ever heard of the Concorde? Yes. Uh, the Concorde, um, only 14 Concorde aircraft ever went into service. Uh, it was a supersonic passenger plane, you know, um, and it started, they started working on it in the 60s, and then it, you know. Uh, so we're talking like New York to California in an hour. Now, I don't know if it's an hour, but like, I mean, it's shorter than it takes now. I'm, I wish I could find something on here that. You know, they Max- stayed, they stay announcing that they've got this ability in trains and we just shit all Um, fucking over it and can never have it. Three hours is, uh, the Concorde could do London to New York in three hours, which I think a regular plane, I think it's like five for that flight. Oh, is it? I mean, still it's pretty good. Maybe it's just not worth the risk. Uh, yeah, I guess I don't know, but anyway, I like I've often wondered. Like, first of all, yes, to be around back then when planes first came out is wild because especially, like there's still people today who are afraid of flying today after planes have been around forever and like safer than cars and all that shit and everything. Right. And like, there's still people who are afraid to fly. Imagine back then, dude. Oh the people that were like flying back then were like fucking lunatic. They were like it, the adrenaline junkies of today. Yes. Like it was a whole different story. That's what I was. Then. That's what I was trying to get to. Like, I think the only thing that to to compare to like what it was like back then, going from we've never had planes to we have planes, would probably be like if tomorrow they announced that we could teleport. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like, you know, five hundred years from now, there will people be, be people going like, "Can you believe people were scared to teleport?" But like, fucking, of course we were. You know what I mean? Like, that's I that's. Mean, I've ins- already decided. You know, I've like I've literally like made the conscientious decision in my head Uh that I will never teleport if I'm uh, explain to the audience. See, I brought this up on I know I brought it up on Well Read. This has been a long standing thing with me for a long time, and Mm -hmm. I'll I'll bring it up every few months because I'm always I'm kind of always thinking about it. It's it's coming. First of all, I don't know that uh, 
maybe we'll even be around to see teleportation uh, stuff. But basically, like, if you but you say teleport, you mean like mm-hmm. not portals, right? Like portals, I would fuck with, right? Like, you, <laughs> yeah. like, yeah, yeah, I would fuck with portals too. Like, if you if every house, like, dude, if if you had a portal in your house that went to the local portal station, but obviously you yep. could turn your house portal on and off. People can't just come out whenever you could turn it off. But then you turn it on, you walk into the portal station that they build in downtown Los Angeles or in Chattanooga or whatever. And in the portal station, there's portals to London, London, Paris, uh, England, wherever. And then like you go to the one in London and there's a smaller portal station to go to Doncaster or right. Manchester. Whatever, you know what I mean? Fuck they got with these that little, so hard. That would fucking rule, dude. You could effectively I would, just I would walk start touring again heavily. You could walk from your bedroom into like the south of France in yeah. like fifteen minutes by just going through these various ports like that. Do it do a show, then immediately be back home with your kids. That's where I think that of. would hit so hard. Right. Yeah, uh, and I would absolutely do that. But teleporting though, where it's like you stand under a thing that fucking beams you up and uh-huh. and, and takes you somewhere else and beams you back down or whatever. No, I'm never gonna trust that no matter what because I read this thought experiment once and we are, we've been talking about the prestige, right? And yeah. It, it happens in the prestige, but it's like basically the idea that like, imagine every day you go to work in London because teleportation has been a thing for a while and you go to like the teleportation center in Chattanooga and they zip. And then you, later you zip come out in London, you do that every day. Right. But one day you go into the teleportation office in Chattanooga and they go zip and you're still standing there. You're like, fuck, mm-hmm. didn't work. So you walk out to the office, you tell her, like, that didn't work, right? And she's like, oh, I'm not so sure, you know, what do you mean? And then they show you the, like, security camera feed from the office in London, and bloop, there you are. You pop up, you show up, and you walk off to your job in London, right? And you're like, well, I know, I know I'm not. I'm still standing right here. Right. And they're like, well, no, you can see that clearly you came out the other side. And this is how this bureaucratic conversation would fucking right. go through. And so now what, what didn't, what the only thing that malfunctioned was the disintegration part of this right. side of you. So all, all that it needs to do is you just walk back in there and you will finish the process. And, you know, you can continue on about your day in London, but you're going to be sitting there like, I'm not in London. That's a fucking right. clone of me that's in right. London. And now but it's you like, got to go kill him. But now that's like, there's no way to ever know I, Which that one? I can think of. There's no way to ever know with certainty that that is not what's happening every time people are teleported, i.e. it's not you. It's a perfect reproduction of you down uh-huh. to the atomic level, right? And that reproduction, it's going to have all your memories. You. It's going to have all your memories that up to the point you walked in the teleporter room. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be born freshly into the world from nothing, right, or whatever. But it has every memory you've ever had. So it's going to walk out thinking like, I'm the Cho. That just worked, <laughs> right? And it's going to believe that fully. But the you that got vaporized on the other end to get sent over there, you just died. So like right. you walked into the teleporter and blackness forever you're dead forever now there's just a perfect copy of you yeah who now exists in a different place and that happened every time you teleport and ever ever since that like possibility got brought to my attention i've been like i don't fuck with teleporters (laughs) (laughs) and i've always and i've always said to you to me that sounds like the perfect scenario for someone who is too uh who 
wants to kill themselves, yes. but doesn't want their family to have to grieve because I go through there, boom, it kills me. But then I, I, me, a perfect clone of me, continues on for everyone else. So like, I don't Still know. Still being sad. Yeah. <laughs> I might find for that. You know what I'm saying? Anyways. Suicidal, yeah, that'd be the ultimate uh, pathway for sure. But I just think if you're just trying to go to Thailand for a couple of days. Like, Not worth it. It wouldn't hit. To yeah, right. Vanish you into never, oblivion. You would never know. You'd never, you'd never see Thailand. A fucking yeah. copy of you would, yeah. you know. But portals, though. Pork a lady boy. Portals, that's what's up. Dude, can you imagine? That's what we need to be fucking with is portals. Yes. All right. We need I agree. To, yeah. Fucking wormhole generators, something. I don't know. Figure it out, science, because that's, that's what I want. I think about that all the time because, like, I'm less and less wanting to leave my house and do go on tour and do things because of, like, my kid. But if, like, there were portals where it's like I could just, boop, do a show in London, bloop, come straight back home, like, oh, my Lord. I mean, you also could, like, you could be at your house the whole time. You know what I mean? Like, right. Like, you could be pre-game, doing your whatever pre-show ritual in your yeah. bedroom. And yes. then it's like, all right, your curtain, you know, curtain calls in five minutes. Hit you the just portal. walk through the portal, fucking, yeah, do the thing, yeah. Would God, that'd be amazing. Anyways, uh, so, sir, our, this is, I want to get into, this is a, this is spiritualism, not portals, but still head trippy shit. Uh, so, mediums did not hit for Houdini. That did not, he did not fuck with the spiritualist movement at all. Um, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, you will know yeah. him from writing uh, Sherlock. Sherlock Holmes. Yes. Yeah. Him and Houdini were really good friends, but like Arthur Conan Doyle was super into this spiritualism shit. And he was so into him and his wife both were like super into spiritualism so much so that he thought Houdini was a literal magic man. And Houdini would tell him all the time. He's like, bro, he's like, I'm, I'm not going to tell you how I do it, but like, all I'm doing is tricks. These are tricks to make it appear. He goes, and I've never, I've never purported to anyone that I'm a magic man. Like everyone knows I'm doing tricks. I'm not going to reveal them, but I'm not some goddamn ghoul or whatever. And Sir Arthur Conan, Conan Doyle was like, you know, Ron Burgundy, like, I don't believe you. You know, like yeah. that whole, he's like, no, you're, you're a fucking wizard. So Houdini, his mama dies. And Houdini's like a huge mama's boy. Like that's, you know, it, it tears him apart. And Arthur Conan Doyle trying to be like supportive of Houdini, him and his wife are like, hey, we want to have you over for a seance. My wife wants to do a seance so that you can talk to your mom. Now, Houdini is already like, man, fuck all this shit. It's bullshit. But like, he also wants to be boys with the Sherlock Holmes guy. So he's like, all right, well, like, I'll go in there with, you know, some sort of open mind. Well, during... Hey, hey imagine me or you, either one. <laughs> We've talked about this on a thread before, but it's it's very funny to me. Imagine me or you, either one, was hanging out in Hollywood, and there was some, like, kind of Hollywood big shot who invited us to some kind of, like, seance thing. <laughs> with like a Ouija, and we don't want to go, but we're like, oh, I can't, they hit too hard. I got to go. And, they go in there, and they're like, yeah, right. And he's like, and they say, like, all right, Trey, I think we're contacting your, it's, I think it's your papaw. Your papaw's here. Trey, let's see what your papaw has to say. And it's a Ouija board and it just, it, it floats over and it goes the to the, the letter N. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> the letter I. <laughs> and we're like, fucking I think sweating. he's saying night, night. All right, yeah, we gotta go. Yeah, he's like, we'll fucking flip the board over. Be like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they, they that's enough. We can stop now. Thank you. <laughs> no, I think he was stationed in Nigeria and wanted yeah, to say yeah. some things about it. What's going on? 
<laughs> no, fuck it. Uh, it's so funny. It, just let the dead stay dead. <sighs> so, and that's so goddamn funny. Big anyway, anyways, um, Houdini already didn't like it, but he he wanted to be friends with these people. So during this seance. Arthur Conan Doyle's wife was said to have like taken on the spirit of Houdini's mom and Houdini's mom was speaking through her. And like, this did not set well with him at all. Cause he was like, yeah, I already no thought. Shit. Yeah. Right. Like, so, but he's still like, okay, I'm going to let her get through it. But he, he, he already's like, I know this is fucking bullshit, but how he was able to prove to them, like, I got you. This is fucking bullshit was Arthur Conan Doyle's wife. While she was Houdini's mom, she made the sign of the cross, like the Catholic thing. And Houdini's Houdini's mom was Jewish. And so like, he was like, fuck you. This is bullshit. Like not my mama. You know what I mean? She wasn't no goddamn, you know, whatever. So not only did this make me feel like they didn't like Jews because so many people back then didn't, and they didn't know he was a Jew. Bullshit. They're like, what do you mean? Yeah, like my mom wasn't a cat. Well, what was she there? She was a. Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, right. I just know it wasn't that. Just know it wasn't that. She wouldn't have done that. Or whatever. <laughs> right. Yeah, they slowly suss out that he's a secret Jew. Yeah, or that's when they give up that it was bullshit because they're like, we wouldn't have done this. If we knew she was a goddamn yeah, Jew. Yeah, right. Uh, like, you're Jewish. Get the fuck out. We don't have to. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. So, anyways. It's funny to think that Art, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. <laughs> Why are you fucking genius? <laughs> no shit, Sherlock. <laughs> How'd you not know? Uh, so, anyways, after this, not only did this ruin their friendship, but this sent Houdini down this path of, like, I'm dedicating my entire life to letting everyone know that spiritualists and mediums fucking suck they don't hit and they're full of shit like he dedicated his life to this there was this medium in boston who was getting like very very popular like she would do shows sort of like that john edwards fuck houdini with all his money teamed up with the american scientific journal just to expose her then put out a pamphlet specifically talking about not just spiritualism not just mediumism but that this lady does not hit right yeah Yeah. like he got the entire scientific community to back him and going hey let everybody know she don't hit and they did yeah that's been a you know skeptic i was thinking it's like it's wild for a guy who's like a professional deceiver of people to be so hard up about that but i mean you already said like they were purporting for it to be real and he never was like it'd be right. different if Houdini was like, "No, this is actual wizardry that I'm doing. This is sorcery that cannot be uh, explained by you know the, the minds of human scientists or whatever." But he was never doing that. He was like, "No, I'm an illusionist. I do tricks. I'm an escape artist. Whatever. Like, there's a way to do this. I'm just not going to tell y'all what it is." Whereas yes, these but- mediums and shit, they front like it's real, and I don't play that. Said exactly. that's a direct Houdini quote. They front yes. like it's real, and I don't play that. Yeah. He because w- he was questioned by people about this. He's like, "What's the difference between what they're doing and what you're doing?" He goes, "Well, the difference is, is that I don't purport to be a fucking wizard." You mm-hmm. know, he's like, "I'm doing tricks. I'm here to entertain you. These people are like tricking you emotionally. They are fucking with you emotionally. You know what I mean? They're trying to get your hard earned dollar by saying that they're your grandma or some other fucking shit." He didn't like it, and uh, you know, he made that one woman basically her career disappeared. Um, do you know who James Randy is, or maybe was? Yeah, was he died? <laughs> James Randy. James Randy. Wait, is Jimmy that the Randy? Guy? Uh, no, I don't know. The Amazing Randy. <laughs> I've met a couple. And, yeah, me too. Uh, he, uh, 
he was a magician like Houdini, but he actually dedicated his whole life to the other part, to going around and saying, hey, see this lady? She don't hit. Uh, but not just... <laughs> he was a... Uh, he was like a professional skeptic and debunker, right? Okay. And like, so like the Mythbusters. He, so like he'd go on Johnny Carson, right? Like the same night as like a faith healer of the oh, day wow. or whatever. And he'd be like, this dude don't hit. This is all bullshit, whatever. And he'd like expose. And what was the dude with the spoons? Remember the, there was a fucking guy from the 80s who like yeah. bent spoons in his mind. Yes. And he became like a big thing. Well, that well, James Randi ended that dude's whole career. Right? Really? Like, yeah. He like the amazing on, Randy. Yeah. He went on a fucking, he went on TV <laughs> with that guy and like exposed him as being a fraud or whatever. Right. And that was like, uh, his whole thing. God and damn so, it. We, we got to do a whole show on Randy. Yeah. Let's see here. Uh, he also broke one of Houdini's records at one point. Uh, while pointing out that he was much younger than Houdini had been when he set the record, so this dude, I'm saying, I this think is this classic guy, like, Randy, I think, I think Randy here, like, I'm assuming he idolized Houdini completely, right. and like, because it's because it seems like he's oh, Yuri Geller was the spoon man, spoon bender. Okay. His name was Yuri Geller. He was a mentalist with psychic powers in the '80s, and uh, James Randy exposed him on TV and fucked his whole career up and shit. Anyway, yeah. I'm glad he did. I, th I mean, you know how Houdini died, correct? Yeah, he got punched by a fella right in the yeah. stomach. Yeah, the dude's name was Jay Gordon Whitehead. And the thing is, Houdini had done that his whole life. Like, Houdini, like, and really all he was doing is Houdini had really strong abs, so he would constrict his abs right when they were going to punch him, and, yeah. like, he would be fine. Well, he's doing this talk at a college, and then, like, there's some students back there, and they're just like, I heard that you uh, let people punch you in the stomach and that apparently it don't hurt you. And he's like, yeah, that, that's right. So this fucking dumbass, big old loghead some bitch named Jay Gordon White, just like, uh, like, not like, okay, one, two, three. He just goes over and starts beating the shit out of Houdini, like just mm -hmm. punching him like a million times in his stomach. And Houdini like was reported to go, okay, you did it. You did it. And the guy just kept fucking doing it. Right. And Houdini like wasn't prepared for it or whatever. And anyways, um, yeah, that ruptured his goddamn appendix. But Houdini was like, he he went to, he, he had all these pains for like a week. He finally goes to like, he has his doctor come to him because that's what you do when you hit is your doctor comes to you. You don't go to the fucking doctor. The doctor comes to him. He's like, all of this sounds like a ruptured appendix. You need to go to the hospital and have surgery. And Houdini was like, but I'm on tour. I can't do that. So he goes on and does a show and eventually dies right after the show. And I think very um, fitting. He died on Halloween night from a ruptured appendix. Halloween night. Ain't that something? Yeah, indeed. That is something. So there you or go. Went to the hospital though, but yeah, yeah. it would have been nice if he'd gone to the hospital. Cause then he could have like done more shows and stuff. Always go to the hospital folks, especially if you have a especially ruptured. If your appendix explode. Yeah. Like, cause you Most got, especially then you should go. You got. I've always heard from people that has exploded appendices that that super it ain't hit. it. Yeah, right. No. And so it's like it's wild that he did a show anyway. You know, I know. Um, I got a buddy who uh, his appendix, uh, his appendix exploded, and he still can't drink uh, Kentucky Fried Chicken sweet tea to this day because that's what he was drinking when he started getting the pains, and he was like, "That's what did it." Uh, <laughs> well, that's real dumb, but, uh, but yeah, but it's apparently it's a memorable the appendix, thing. 
or not be anyway. No, it's like, not appendix be. don't even do nothing but just explode but kill and you. kill you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that ain't it. No, that's very much not Stupid it. Stupid the Lord. Why well, do I'm do glad that? you brought up Randy because I want to revisit him, but that's all I got on the great life of the wonderful, the magnificent Harry Houdini. So, uh, oh, well, fuck. We do airmail, don't we? Mm hmm. That is, a thing, that is a thing that we do. We're not done, Corey. And I did, I do actually uh, have some. Uh, I did, I just, I don't have them immediately up on my phone. I'm so sorry. I'm a fucking idiot. Okay. That's here okay. We, here hey, we go. This is like a two hour episode as That's, it is anyway. So what's what a few you gonna more do? minutes? Uh, what are you going to do? Okay. Yeah. So uh, uh, the subject line, baldness. Uh, mm. Hi, Corey. I was fairly displeased with your suggestion that bald people look racist. Maybe you've seen too <laughs> Maybe you've seen too many prison movies with skinheads. Losing one's hair is a very natural thing, and just because a lot of deniers try to hide it by covering their heads with hats or toupees or shaving it off to make it look like a fashion choice doesn't take away from the natural beauty of the balding head. Sure, people like to make fun of us balding people, but they're probably jealous because their heads lack character. They probably have to spend a lot of time trying to make their hair look just the way they want it to look. Yeah, speaking about being in fucking denial, you have a nicely shaped head. You should be proud of your baldness. Embrace it. Let it empower you. And sure, make jokes about it too, but bald positive jokes. Take away the ability of the haired to try to put you down by laughing it up. Bald is beautiful. Steve Zanussi. Thank you, Steve. Trey? Getting that Zanussi. Uh, the 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 haired? I, so I think that, um, I honestly, I wish you had more of Steve Zanussi in you. And I've uh -huh, said it for years. You could take a page out of his book or a couple pages out of his bald-headed book. You know, no, I, I think mean, Steve, I don't think I you need you. to start calling the rest of us the haired and talking <laughs> about how you're being held under the thumb of your haired oppressor, oppressors or whatever the hell he was saying. It's like, no, just be, be bald and proud, though. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Steve. I agree with you. Uh, I, I'm no, only going to read don't. I'm, I don't at all, Steve. I love you and thank you for listening to the show. But like, I think you're so you're just you're making all this up like it don't hit for you. You, you don't like this. Um, I, I'm only going to read a couple more, but I want to make sure that this one is one because my God, this is about to hit for you so hard. <sighs> Subject line. Oh, Corey, you are so handsome. I said that to get your attention, but yep. I still listen to this Trey. <laughs> I said that to get your attention, but I still mean it. You do not look like a racist anti-vaxxer. You look oriental in a sinister, <laughs> sexy way. You don't know how perfect that is, uh, <laughs> Aaron Mailer, because we've uh, it's been a running joke behind the scenes in the universe for a while with me and Cho and Drew and Smart Mark, whatever, that Corey actually kind of does look a little asian right and it's <laughs> and like because and it's funny because he's cho right which right. sounds like it's an asian. asian name but like that's a total coincidence right but it's also like we, you know he all you know he loves noodles and <laughs> yeah, uh i do i don't know wrestling R wrestling yeah, yeah and other like uh, but he's like, there's just certain pictures of Corey where he looks super Asian, -y, which is fine. It's fine that he looks Asian. Of I'm course. Just glad, it's I'm just remarkable. Some, feel, vin feel vindicated by someone else pointing out that he does kind of look Asian. Because another thing y'all should know is that there's a, uh, a racist mama in his hometown <laughs> who uh, 
makes Chinese noises yeah. at Corey anytime he comes into the uh, gas station. He says she, so. She ching chinas me as I say. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, like I'll explain it. Every time I get something and I go, oh, I give her the, my card and I, and I think she goes, oh, thank you. Ching, chong, chong. Yeah. And then that's what she does. And I'm directly quoting her because I know I'm not supposed to be making those sounds. Well, but- and I've said this before, but like the old the club owner at the first comedy club I started at, which was a bit of a shit hole and he was a lunatic. Uh, but the club owner, Bobby Jewell, back then, he used to, I had shorter, much, much, much shorter hair and a longer beard. And I wore cl- contacts all the time, so I had glasses on. And But that still doesn't make it excusable to me. But he used to call me Muhammad and make terrorist and Arab <laughs> jokes about me all the time. Like, I'd come in the room and he'd be like, la, 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 like you know, making the terrorist <laughs> noises and stuff like that. And the whole time I'd be like, Bobby... I'm fucking trailer trash from Clay. Like, listen to me talk. Like, what are you right. talking about? He's like, I shut the fucking terrorist, you know, or whatever. He was like a <laughs> drunken dipshit. But like, no idea where that ever uh, came from. But so, you know, I hear you. It happens. Right. One last one. And this is a perfect one to go out on because we get a free plug in this. Uh, subject line, your book and blowjobs. Howdy, fellow colonels. This is a long one. I've listened to every episode of the show while working, and I love it. I realized that I had a few credits on my Audible account, so I got your new book, and I'm loving it so far. I grew up just a little bit south of Lexington, Kentucky, in a small town called Berea, but now Mm -hmm. I live in Louisville. I love the Bloods and the Crips reference with the red versus blue, though I have no ties to either of them. Y'all ain't wrong. Your part on Portland was interesting to me. I've only been there once, but I feel like it was, in my experience, pretty goddamn accurate. I was on tour with a metal band and had a little bit of time off before the show and was fucking stoked that Chinatown was across the street from the venue. It turns out the whole place is a desolate wasteland filled with nothing but junkies. Walking back to the venue, I saw a random tarp next to a dumpster, thought nothing of it, and kept walking. All of a sudden, from beneath the tarp, burst a junkie screaming at me, Hey, do you want a $5 suck off? I figured y'all would appreciate that anecdote. I tried and failed to make a limerick out of it. Sorry. There you go. Did not say whether he accepted the offer or not. Uh, <laughs> oh, I thought that was interesting. interesting. Yeah, it's an interesting yeah, choice. He didn't say, like, protest yeah. too much. Yeah, or not at all. You know, uh, like right. He, it's like, are you going to not tell economy? us what you answered when the junk exactly. asked if they could blow you for $5? You're like, yeah, that's a, he's on tour with a metal band. You're right. It's like, an interesting detail to leave out. I feel like he got back. He's like, hey, the roadie got sucked off by a junkie. <laughs> <You guys> here. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, they do that all the time. Yeah, <laughs> man. Oh, fuck. That's great. Right. Well, anyways, uh, this has been a wonderful episode. Trey, where are you going to be yeah, this weekend? Tonight I'm in Charleston, and tomorrow I'm in uh, Durham, Riley, Durham, or Durham specifically. So come and see me, and I'm in Boston next weekend. Then I got San Francisco, Chicago, Phoenix, Northwest Arkansas, and Nashville all coming up in the near future. Go to TreyCrowder.com, and also while you're there, check out our book. It's uh, the lovely Portland, or not what the metal person just plugged. <laughs> Who may or may here. not have got his dick sucked in Portland. My junkie in Portland, yes. Um <laughs> Just plugged around here and over yonder. It's uh, <laughs> beloved by roadies who get sucked off by junkies everywhere. So it. if you're if you're in that demographic, check it out. And yeah, that's about it.
Yeah, come see us. We'll be together at Zany's uh, in Nashville, December 14th to the 16th. After that, if you're in the Asheville area, your boy on December 28th is going to be at the Gray Eagle. Other than that, thanks for grabbing the book and go to bonuscory.com if you want some shit from me. And as always, stay fancy, motherfuckers. Here's Lydia Loveless. One, two, three, four, one, two, three, four. Royalty and rednecks are alike. They both like cutting and picking fights. Biscuits and baked beans where they don't belong. Sit on down with Corey and Trey and learn some fancy shit today. We'll laugh a little even when they're wrong. They'll take you to a magical place where if you call someone a cut, nobody cares. They keep it debonair at putting on airs, putting on airs, putting on airs, putting on airs. NMLS number 65084, Equal Housing Lenders. Woo! As an adult, don't we all miss spring break? Nothing like taking a week off from all your responsibilities. Well, here's the next best thing for adults, a spring break from house payments. Savewithconrad.com can help you get rid of all your credit card debt, just like that. We're routinely helping our listeners save five, six, seven, even 800 bucks a month. And you don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket to do this, but check this out. No house payments for two months at savewithconrad.com.